0: Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this is Storymakers, Storymakers show. show. And today on Storymakers, what's up?
1: Well, first, uh, we're, we're going to talk about what makes a story grab you. Mm-hmm. And I am going to talk about some of the books that I read this year that um, grabbed me and why. Okay, great. And um, you're going to talk about what you think makes a story I grab just
0: want to be clear, we're talking about grabbing attention.
1: Yes. Yes, in these times, it is perhaps unfortunately necessary to make that clear. Okay. But first, what are you working on?
0: Well, right now, I am working on uh, wrapping up the year, getting the projects of This Is And That's done. Um, I am, you know, thinking about a short script. And that's sort of in the hopper right now. Yeah. And I am also just, again, I think mostly just trying to close
1: loops that have not been closed yet for
0: yeah.
1: the year. Great. hmm Well, it is definitely that year-end time, right? And traditionally at this time, I am pretty burnt out and exhausted and kind of... So you're right in line with
0: your traditions. Well,
1: what it's not... I'm not, though, unfortunately, because... I got notes today, and I actually was waiting for the notes for almost two months, right? And so I've been doing that this sort of self torture thing, but um, but that's a little different than working really hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I spent the last two months, you know, painstakingly grinding through a draft, then I would be that kind of end of year burnt out. Right. But what I actually am is kind, just kind of like eager to figure out how to you know keep going but um but it's the end of the year and school's about to get out and all of that so it's a little tricky it sounds like it yeah
0: okay so getting back to attention grabbing and how our attention was grabbed this year by different projects
1: so i mean one of the things i will just admit to our listeners is that i've been tracking what i've read Mm. pretty much and um thinking about coming up with you know one of those year-end lists everybody's doing year-end lists they're interesting compilations of year-end lists and all of that Mm -hmm. and um partly because you know like several of my students had books published this year wonderful varied books and um and very wonderful and many of my friends including those students you know and so that's a little tricky, and I think it's probably tricky in the whole world of literature. So you're
0: saying like it's ethically tricky too? Because how can you say, oh, this is the best, and it might actually literally be the best? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it would be really hard not to be thought of as making a questionable choice if you picked something that was one of your students or friends' books.
1: Yeah, and and you know. But it's interesting, too. So in
0: order to avoid that fray, you are just going to come up with things that you liked, but they aren't necessarily the
1: be-all, end-all. Well, and also I think the other thing is about sort of what are your top favorite books is, you know, like like people, each book has wonderful qualities mm-hmm. and quirks, and right? And you can't even say, like, strengths and weaknesses because the so you know what might be weaknesses might be inherent to somebody's whole wonderful being. Mhm. Right? Mhm. So, yeah, maybe I'm just waffling. But anyway, I thought I would ta- use this opportunity to talk about what 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 is it about story that because we we talked last time about why why mm-hmm. are we writing a particular story? Right. And so this is sort of from the reader's point of view, kind of why mm. are we reading a particular story? So this Just In, uh-huh. we also put together a list of some of the movies you saw and loved.
0: And mostly just saw.
1: Well, we put together <laughs> a list of movies you saw, and then I thought from that you might be able to. And
0: I think if we use the litmus test of and could remember seeing, <laughs> I then am like, yeah, those had an impact on me.
1: But, you know, sort of, let's okay, let's start with, like, when you look at your list, mm-hmm. what, what's one that you know just really did grab you?
0: I know I just have to day. think about it. They all they they all did in different ways. So we're
1: not like comparing them to each other. We're just trying to say okay what worked here. Well,
0: <clears throat> Okay, well, loved so there were a number of Marvel films here and I think Marvel really has kind of nailed a format that ends up working. You know, we have this character who You have basically
1: you have Marvel movies, documentaries, and indie films.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's your sort of...
0: Mm-hmm. That does seem <laughs> your to wheelhouse. be my
1: wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> it is interesting to put this out here and sort of see, like, oh, you know, here's what I do. Here's my bag.
1: <laughs> All right. So since nobody else can see the list, um, you want to give us an overview of, of those three categories and what grabs you in a good one? Sure. All right. so in a great action film, what is it that you just, that makes you say well, yes? Well, I
0: think the thing that Marvel does extremely well is have those imperfect protagonists. Mm. And the truth is, we saw one of the Captain Americas, like, when it first came out a billion years ago. I've never been drawn back to see Captain America films.
1: Yeah. Like, at all. Is it, I'm sorry to explain. Too. I remember seeing it with you. It was like a date before we had children. Yeah. But I don't actually know if he's part of the Marvel thing.
0: He is. All so right. Captain so America is one of it. the yeah. Avengers. That's what I
1: thought. Right. Right. And so... And we haven't even, like, said, let's watch it with the kids.
0: And I think they did a great job even in that film, but that character is not one that I connect with. Right. And... Because he's so gold-darn um, good. That old America. Yeah. Image, that old... Yes, yeah.
1: American image.
0: Um, whereas when I see something like The Avengers, I'm seeing relationships happen as much as I'm seeing anything else. And I think that was true in, I think Marvel does that in their independent ones, but the truth is for the most part, like we saw Thor Ragnarok, we loved that.
1: That was the humor for me. That was like the unexpected humor, the kind of the self-aware wit.
0: Absolutely. In the genre, right? Pretty and generally. at the same time, that even still was kind of a buddy film because Hulk was also in it and we met Valkyrie, right? So we have these characters working off of each other.
1: The, um. Wolverine? Yeah, that one I remember. That was another day movie before mm-hmm. we had kids. Mm-hmm. And um, that was great for some reason. Mm-hmm. Although we still haven't... Did you ever watch that with the kids?
0: No. We still haven't no. come back to
1: that one. And the other thing is that the world changed, and these things seem so old-fashioned now. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, just so old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Right. So...
1: <laughs> Which is great! Yay, world, for changing so much yes. that a movie we saw, you know, 15 years ago... Ridiculous. Is ridiculous. It's like, just like, our kids would just be like, what?
0: Right. Yeah. So... Often, for myself, I end up being really attracted to films about characters who, for whatever reason, don't value themselves. And so <laughs> I think for me, the one independent character that I sort of have stuck with is actually I'm excited to see Captain Marvel. I'm excited. when they, I'm yeah. sure they're going to make a, you know, sequel. Right. Uh, so I'm excited to see the sequel to Captain Marvel. Sequel, I'm, like, she's I'm ex- just
1: going to fly around in the sky the whole time,
0: basically. She's just right, just going to be
1: like now that I've gotten here, I'm just going to keep doing
0: it. Now and we'll find and out. You're
1: going to enjoy
0: it, and I'm going to enjoy. I'm, like I'm excited actually to see <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. Um, you know, they could definitely run it aground. I'm not saying they couldn't, but again, we. Wonder Woman's actually more like Captain America as far as a character goes. Mm -hmm. But she's in a world that doesn't recognize her value. So it's like if Captain America were suddenly on a different planet where the way that he looked and moved through the world was completely sort of hobbled by cultural mores. And so that's the—so even though she's got this sort of do-the-right-thing, noble spirit— the rest of the world is, yeah, yeah we, what, I don't, what, right. we don't really care that much that right. you're stepping up or we're, you're doing that person, doing that kind of thing. So I think that's why Wonder Woman, for me, was more effective than the Captain you America. You
1: underdog.
0: You do like an underdog. Yeah.
1: There's not it's not that fun to watch the overdog. I mean, they tried to make Captain America the underdog.
0: Right, well, he was that skinny guy at the beginning, and that was my favorite part, was sort of like he was the guy who wanted to fill the shoes of, remember, his friend Bucky. He's like,
1: okay, I understand that I'm a white American man, but I'm skinny. And you're like, okay, I'll take it. He
0: was skinny and short.
1: I just want to say, because also when Captain America came out, that was what you had. You were like, I'm going to identify with this character because he's skinny and short. Yeah. Now you're like, oh, here's Captain Marvel. Here's, you know, yeah. right? It's, it's we're moving, here's the Black Panther, right? Like, we're moving along in what we. Right. And, and, and actually, know you know, when- and then
0: Black Panther is also a character, you're, you know, that I, I loved that film. I thought yes, they did really an amazing job, both of talking about sort of, he wasn't just a superhero. It goes back to that relationship, right? So he has this relationship with the quote unquote bad guy. And it's one that. Is not without its complications. I think it was a very interesting relational sh- story, in addition to being an action story.
1: Right. Right. I wonder if if we're gonna get less good at creating subtext <laughs> of our own. You know, Why? Because it's not as necessary that we do that kind of work that we project. You know, our other kinds of identities onto. You know, small, like like like. Oh, he's a short. Skinny guy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, so we're like, we just <laughs> we, all, had,
0: we had to get really creative to see ourselves, is what you're saying. Yes, and now, exactly. like, oh, well, that was a
1: queer film because like the girls liked each other, like not like as friends, it was, like, right? You know, like Chloe liked Olivia, right? Mm-hmm. The, that that is that Virginia Wolf is like for the first time in history, like Chloe liked Olivia. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's in it's in it's brilliant. Yeah. Beethoven so, did a so book called Chloe likes Olivia for films, in the show
0: and not in all cases, but in films, I would say for me that one of the main things that grabs my attention are characters I'm happy to hang out with who have a relationship that matters.
1: So let's put a look at some of this Avenger stuff in mm-hmm. relationship to some of these indie films because you said mm-hmm. flawed character relational film, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. Is there anything else in terms of... Oh, I mean, the the sort of dynamics of superheroism? Big obstacles? Like you talked about with the black
0: people. Actually, like I mean, for me... And... For me, the things that make it less compelling, actually... And I actually like action. Oh, wow. But the things that make me less compelled are the pieces where it's just big action. So in, like, if you think about Endgame... Right. And so they're all fighting Thanos and uh, I think Spider-Man passes Captain Marvel the gauntlet.
1: I think I did not see that.
0: <laughs> Anyway, and so here's this young teenage kid who's super, right? And I think that's one of the things that's been endearing about Spider-Man's characters. He's always been the awkward outsider in his social group. Um, and a teenager and, you know, all those things. So he passes Captain Marvel the gauntlet. And there's that moment when he's like, you know, but how is, she's, how is she going to get there alone? And all of the other sort of strong female characters come out. None of them are looking at the camera. They're all looking forward. And I don't remember exactly who said this, um, but one of the characters like, She's got help, right? And that was just it, right? You didn't need to see more. And it was so exciting to see a group of women, not like just like fighting and doing whatever, but to see the strength piece. And I think it's hard to imagine. You know, we talk about how imagination can play into positive social forward movement, right? And how necessary it is. And I think it's hard... And this is the thing I critique Marvel with. I think it's really hard to imagine something that is not violent mm-hmm. that could have that level of stakes.
1: All right, well, let's turn to the indie films. So let's pick out of an indie film that you love, that you grabbed you.
0: Well, you don't want to pick some, do yours. You don't well, want to bounce no, no. back I, and forth?
1: Well, no, I think we should, I would like to look at the lens through the lens of what we've been talking about and see if it applies to your indie films, and then we'll bounce over to me.
0: Okay. Well, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I, I kept
1: thinking about that one. That's,
0: such that a beautiful a film. Um, Queen and Slim. I will say
1: there was, a, there was, an, action, there was an action scene. I mean, the, they did that amazing skateboarding. Yes. That was actually kind of thrilling.
0: Right. And however awkward those two were, and they were such specific characters. Yeah. And again, I'm talking about The Last Black Man in San Francisco. They were in relationship to each other. They mm-hmm. were in a world that was not valuing them. Right. right. They were doing. They were the underdogs. They yeah. were these other pieces. And also, so, with
1: really clear goals. I mean, there's like right. clear goals. There's enemies. I mean, there's there's especially in Queen and Slim. Mm-hmm. It's even clearer. You know, there, right. there is violence and in and more. You know, in Queen
0: and, and like, the violence in Queen and Slim isn't because they couldn't think of something more important to put there. Right. It I think the violence in Queen and Slim really reflected the context that these people are living in. And I think it also when they chose not to have violence. Mm-hmm. Right? That they these are people who are in a community and this community is unrelentingly impacted mm-hmm. by violence. Right. right? So I think they had to be really thoughtful. They seem to be very thoughtful. About when you use violence and how you were going to show it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, actually, you know, Jojo Rabbit, pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Good guys, bad guys. I mean, complex. They did complexified right. in interesting ways. And, you know, but, um, and actually the underdog thing shifted in really interesting ways there, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. I actually really
0: want to just like at some point go party with Taiko Atiti. I don't I'm not sure that All
1: right, we're going to put I'll that get out to there through our airways here. Yeah. I'm sure somebody All out there knows him. But the other
0: thing I want to say is something like the farewell, which we also adored Love. and were hugely moved by. Something like that, we do have life or death stakes. Yeah. But there's something else, something beyond it.
1: Well, and the relational. The relationship the relation's then. still there. And systems. I mean, all of these things are in some ways about systems, systems of power, relational systems of mm-hmm. power, right? And, and kind of how we interact with those.
0: Right. And in The Farewell, I think I can give the context without giving it away. You know, you have this character who, in one context, is completely baffled by her family's choices, and this is sort of the story of how she comes to a different place to understand something that seemed so foreign and wrong to her. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you not telling right. her this? Why aren't you yeah. giving her this dignity? And such great juxtaposition. I loved the scene with the brother and her uncle talking about their responsibility to shoulder the emotional challenge. And then, of course... He can't. Yeah. How can you, yeah. right? And so we just, we see these ideals that we all kind of, you know, no matter where you are, they aren't necessarily all the same ideals, but we have these ideals that we want to live up to and, and fail so miserably. And then that compassion we end up having for the characters who are striving so hard to live up
1: to impossible ideals. Yeah. And then how do, what do we create in the, in their stead? Do we still hold the impossible ideals? And I think...
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and, and I think in some ways that movie said yes, mm-hmm. right? Which, is, which was a surprise. It was a surprise. Yes. All right. Well, I have this ridiculously long list, and I, I've sort of consequently started to feel like, I don't know how to talk about books. Um, and I was not trained as a book talker. Mm. But, um, I, but I was trained as a book writer. But um, Well, let's reverse your questions then for the
0: ones that stand out to you. Okay. What was something that, just even one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what grabbed you? What was one thing that grabbed you?
1: So, um, well, voice. And it's funny because a lot of times when agents at camp, when we ask them what they, they say, a voice, you know, and it's like, oh, what does that mean? But when I look at these, um, you know, part of it, so the friend, I listened to the friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and these will all put all the links in the show notes. And um, and she just was like smart and interesting and kind of, you know, um, a little bit funny. And um, Daisy Jones and the Six, I listened to also as an audiobook. And, um, and, and it, it's. Well, not, that
0: raises an interesting well, question. I'll say
1: this I tried listening to um, Trust Exercises, and it really didn't work for me. And then when I read it, it really did work for me. So. Interestingly, some books don't work for me as an audiobook.
0: Well, actually, what I'm just saying though is that a reader in that context is an interpretive.
1: Well, especially Daisy artist. Jones and the Six, because mm-hmm. Daisy Jones and the Six was almost something else—the audio production because it had a variety of well-known, mm. you know, famous actors brilliantly playing these parts. Like, like these were sort of monologues, and they were tell- and they really did it. You know, their voices would, they would, and it was—it's set up as an oral history the mm. book is, you know, fictionalized oral history. So they would be, they would do the pauses and the thinking and the tr- sort of starts and stops. I don't know. It just, it was, it was a, it was one that I would say would be better to listen to as an audiobook. book. Interesting. To read, but who knows? I didn't read it. Um, the Great Believers I read on the page. Mm. Um, and uh, that was, you know, these, a number of different characters and a world, um, and that But was, a
0: voice. So in something where you have because that we were that's what we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, well,
1: that one was a little bit different. So the voice was <clears> heavy. <throat> by Kasey Lemon was incredible voice, and I actually did listen to that one too. <laughs> okay, the two Sally Rooney books because I read the one that came out this year, and then I went back and read the one, her first book, and I didn't listen to them. I read them, and and uh, and they had a great voice too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just because I listen to audio, <laughs> the audio version, but. Um, you scroll up for a second Yes, chemistry by wiki wang i also read and she just is and it was it it was one of those books that um stylistically it, it did a lot of kind of telling mm-hmm. like not you know and but it did it so well and it was so delightful and it was this and it was sort of funny and it kind of mm-hmm. insightful so um so that was a good one um But I, like, I would say other books that I loved, um, like The Nickel Boys, was about structure. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. But I think it it, Well, I mean... I
1: mean, how
0: how do you break that out, to be honest? I mean, I get that you can break out structure in a particular way, but at the same time, there's something about the...
1: Well, what I mean by structure is actually that I was given, like, almost, it felt like a transparent access to just the story, like like I was in it in a certain way.
0: And yeah, the voice was kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so, okay. And all of, again, voice. Cantoras, yeah. which was a book I really loved this year by Carolina de Robertis. Um, she, I mean, that, one thing I noticed, because it's, it's a sweeping saga, mm-hmm. is that um so it doesn't sort of say, like, here's the lead problem in the jacket copy where you're sort of thinking, okay, how do they get out of that or whatever, right? You go into the book to find out, like, well, what happened with that? And this is different, but, but in fact, every scene also had kind of conflict that really mattered. And it was mm-hmm. very relational, very mm-hmm. much, um, you know, that um, the relationship of the people to each other. Uh, um, the water dancer... Um, ta novel, mm-hmm. first novel, was, um, really beautiful and kind of brilliant.
0: So um, where do you think, I mean, because I think right now what we're doing is waxing, yeah, you know. I'm a
1: fan. And maybe yes. that's sort of how I read. Now when I teach, I break out and look at what's working. Mm-hmm. I don't really look at what's not working. I've never done a class of like, this fell flat. You know, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, because that, I
0: think, would not be cool.
1: But I also think that, and this is one of my, you know, this would be my weakness were I to be an English professor, which I have been here and there, is that I, I'm reading, like, I'm reading for pleasure.
0: Is that a weakness? <laughs>
1: well...
0: I'm sure many, many of the people on your list would be like, great. I'm glad you liked it.
1: And I think it's really interesting to remember we story makers. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and I will say pleasure. And I mean, you know, for example, with with the Nickel Boys, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, no, I know this is going to be really sad and really hard. And People would talk about that. I mean, I think Zadie Smith on a Mm. podcast was talking about how. Hard it was to read, but like then saying he really nailed it, right? But but you still, when you hear that, you think like, oh, maybe I don't want to read this really sad book, right? Like mm-hmm. because you're because when you actually go to read, you're sort of like, okay, what do I feel like reading right now?
0: Well, that's that whole thing about the Netflix queue, right? They did that study like when Netflix first came out, uh-huh. where. Um, people would put all of these like really important films in their queue and they would end up actually watching like another episode of Friends. <laughs> and so it didn't actually correlate. So we have this part of ourselves where we're like, oh, we we want to be the person who's read that or watched that or mm-hmm. is in, in that kind of conversation. But the truth is at the end of the day, you know, I think this. And the truth is for me, I and you know this about me, I don't get through a lot of books. I don't get through them. I, I read a lot of them, but I don't get through them because they don't hold me. And the Nickel Boys held me yeah. all the way through. Yeah.
1: No, that was that was an amazing book. And I will just say um, that I, that is true of me too. I've, I've, I read 60 books, not, not counting manus- unpublished manuscripts, and I am in the middle of another like 23 books. A few of which I will finish by the end of the year, and many of which so I
0: won't. I'm never going to race you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I don't finish books, and that's the only real critical commentary that I make on a mm. book. And I'm not always right. I mean, actually, so so as by it's the possession, right? Famously between us, yes. <laughs> it's so good to be famous in the marriage. Yes, yeah. um, within my marriage, within you my know marriage, some I, of my I, stories. I am, you, yes, you've heard of me, um, but uh, I. My dad loved it, and he gave it to me, and and there was something, sometimes, that anyway, I just couldn't, Mm -hmm. and and then I would try it, I would, like, open it, and I would not be drawn in or whatever, and then at some point, I just read it, I think I was sick, and I just read it, like, straight through in a day or whatever, in two days, and it was, I loved it, I mean, it's one of my favorite books. Mm Mm-hmm. But it wasn't...
0: You're not the same person you were at any other given point.
1: I mean, you and I knew each other for 12 years before we got together. Right? So maybe it's like there's just something about timing.
0: It could be. But I do think, you know, for me, I hated Walt Whitman. Really? I did. I did
1: not know (laughs) that. I only have known that you love Walt Whitman.
0: And I hated it because I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's trying so hard. He's just like this old dude trying to talk about being alive, and it's because he's so close to being dead."
1: <laughs> like literally, that's that was You're my like, in initial. He's already dead. He's already he dead. He didn't know it at the time, but now I know it. Right, and
0: so so that was one of the things. He, I felt like he tried so hard around those things, and in some ways, I think it is that wasn't a misreading. He does try really hard to be present with certain things in a way that adult life often pushes aside. Whereas when you're a young person, you are bowled over by a blade of grass. You are bowled over by the scents and the smells and the experience because they're all new. But when they're not new, you're like, doo, 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 I don't care. I'm an old person. And so I don't think that reading was That's wrong right
1: <laughs> then you get then you so like think backed. the
0: reading was necessarily wrong but it was the reading of a young person and the reading of an older person is going to bring a different perspective to it
1: this is so funny because uh, you know um Simone de Beauvoir wrote her memoir in three books and the first one um which I'm blanking on the name now but it'll be in the show notes mm. um but I loved it, and I read it when I was young. I mean, I read it when I was a teenager, and I just, I just loved it. I loved the writing, and I loved the thoughtfulness about kind of what went into mm. creating her. And and then there was like, I think her early romance with Sartre, right, when mm. she was a student or whatever. Mm. The next book starts when she's in her twenties. She's she got her teaching credential, or whatever, and she's teaching out in the country. And he comes out on the weekends. They go on picnics or something. And I just, like, I couldn't read it because I just, I was still a teenager and I thought this is just, like, her life's become daily and mundane and boring. Yeah. Right now, that sounds wildly romantic.
0: When they were living in Paris, though, like, she moves back to Paris. Like, they have a very complex relationship. But it's not just that. I mean, like, even when, even if they didn't open up their relationship in that particular way... They didn't hang out, like, they would hang out in certain times in certain places, but they had very constructive and then they're ways. And they
1: like these brilliant philosophers and all of that. So, I mean, I'm sure now that the whole damn thing would be fascinating to me and I should put it to the test. But when I was a teenager, I thought, oh, I don't, you know, it's I don't want to read about like daily life. Oh my God, okay,
0: if I have to read another picnic story. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it seems unglamorous mm-hmm. to me. But now it does. Right. So, all right. Well, um, I don't even think I mentioned, you know, half of the books I adored this No, I year. don't think you did. But there were 60 books I read or listened to, and 23 I have not yet finished. So, um, it is time for Steal This.
0: Amateur poets borrow.
1: Professional poets
0: steal. What have you come across in your readings and wanderings this week?
1: That you would like to take and make your own. Well, now I've just talked about like a hundred million books, and um, and I am not ready.
0: Well, I would like to say that I have been looking at a lot of education stuff lately.
1: Yes, for a change.
0: For a change, and the there's a website in the UK called I believe the Education Endowment Foundation dot co uk something like that
1: <laughs> anyway that might or might not be in the show
0: now. and they've done an amazing thing where they've collected information so we have all these ideas about what makes a good classroom and then they have these studies and so they sort of go through and they say okay like they do an analysis does the evidence actually support this and when it does what is what is the projected outcome and one of the things that i'm really really love is is also from Scott Young's book, Ultra Learning, but it's the idea of what, of metacognition, like learning about your learning, thinking about your thinking, right? And I love that idea in some ways because it's really saying, how do I as a person execute on the things I want to do, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be the same as the things that you do, right? Like I saw two movies this year and you read 600 <laughs> books. Not the two but You know what I mean. Um, and so thinking about like, okay, what are the things that I do that actually pave that way? So it's, it's about paying attention. So I think this might be like sort of a prep for a New Year's resolution kind of approach. But metacognition, learning how you learn. Mm-hmm. is a very, it sounds very amorphous and challenging, but at the same time, learning to me is really tied up with creation. Yeah, And so getting like, you know, I just remember reading like, oh, take yourself on artist dates, right? In the artist way. I can never ever get myself out or I don't like hanging out by myself. That's not something that interests me. I'm a hugely relational person. So going out and going to a museum by myself I think would depress me mm. whereas going out going to a museum with someone I like and seeing how they see things and then feeling how I am impacted by them like that's a that's how I learn right. and so it's those kinds of things where we're told oh here's how you should do something but if you don't have a way to actually reflect on your own Thinking about your thinking, or you're learning about your learning, or creating around your creation, you you make it harder for yourself than it have to, you have to. And
1: I, and I've always found that creative people really like we like to make it harder for ourselves. Right? We like to imagine being a different person much more than we like to lean into our own metacognition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for my steal this, I'm going to do a shout out to Aya de Leon and mm. her book Sidekick um, Nation, which I've just begun and. You know, it's got this cover with this like gorgeous, sexy woman and the tropical background and, and all of that. Storm clouds. And um, and it's it's called erotic suspense or roman- no, romantic suspense. I keep, it's romantic suspense, I think. Anyway, uh-huh. it has a blurb on it that's from Booklist saying like she's a rising star and mm-hmm. and I think it's romantic suspense. And um, when I ordered it through Copperfields and I, it came, I said to they called me and said, your book's here. And I said, I just want you to take a look at it because it is a climate change, feminist, you know,
0: adventure. So wait, are you going to land with Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover?
1: <laughs> and um, well, I just want to say, like, that Aya is doing something I really admire. I mean, she's doing something really political. Mm. and um, With her art. really, Yeah, she's doing something really political with her art and she's also doing something really pleasurable. I mean it's a, it's a book that is is um, there any... easy to read, do you know what I mean? But in a, it's re- really well written mm-hmm. and it's just fun. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 like going to an avengers movie. <laughs> it is. It's their superheroes. Like too. why
0: don't we have the avengers fight climate change?
1: Well, yeah, uh, right? Write, write that film, right? That's important. So, um so I just, you know, I'm looking forward to finishing it and I'm hoping maybe we'll get her back on the show. But we have a back episode with her. She's so brilliant. Definitely mm-hmm. go back and check that out. Uh, I'll put that link in the show notes. And um, so, you know, just the reminder to to be courageous and to take on the big issues but and to do it in the way that you most enjoy. Hey. A quick request from us to you. Angie and I would love to know what your top book of the year was, or one of them, and why. It doesn't have to have been published this year, but let us know if it wasn't. What made the book you were telling us about stand out? We're going to talk more about these, continue this conversation on an upcoming Storymakers Show, and we'd love to have you weigh in. So how can they email us?
0: Questions at StorymakersShow.com.
1: Thank you.